Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Rob Warner, and today's episode is the beginning of a series of off-season interviews Sun Devil Source publisher Chris Cartman has recently conducted with Arizona State football coaches. Today, you'll hear his interview with Arizona State running backs coach Sean Aguano. Aguano is entering his second season with the Sun Devils under Herm Edwards. He joined the program after being head coach at local powerhouse Chandler High School, where he led his team to four state championships in eight seasons. Aguano will have a very different backfield in 2020. After workforce, Eno Benjamin was taken in the seventh round of this year's NFL draft by the Arizona Cardinals following back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. In a major recruiting win, the Sun Devils have already enrolled four-star running backs Diamante Trainum and Daniel Nagata, both of whom participated in the team's abbreviated spring schedule. Sophomore tailback A.J. Carter is the only current ASU back who has had a college carry and his playing time has been very limited, leaving the position group with little experience. All these topics and more will be discussed in this episode. The voice you hear next is Cartman, followed by Iguano. Okay, we're joined by Sean Iguano, ASU running back coach. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. A little bored at home, but uh, other than that, uh, I'm doing good. I was going to say, what's, what's really different about this time in terms of, obviously you're not out on the road for the evaluation period. Uh, how different is that? compared to the past, and, and what are some of the main differences that you would say? You know, I think that uh, everything now is either a Zoom call or a FaceTime call. I think that uh, during the spring, I think our best asset was getting in front of kids and, and coaches out on the recruiting trails. Well, that's a little bit different. Um, you know, sitting at home, learning more of us from the technology standpoint on Zoom calls and things like that have been beneficial, but uh, it's been different all the way around. Yeah. So you have to rely on the film evaluations almost entirely with guys you haven't previously seen. Um, how, how do you feel about that versus being able to get out there and get a sense in person of how guys move around and the way they interact with their, their high school coaches and, and teammates and everything? You know, that has been, that has been a, a little bit of a disadvantage, seeing kids run around in person, seeing, you know, height and weight and length up front. That has been hard. Uh, again, everything is done by evaluation. And so a lot of highlight films, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of them. And then once we, there's an interest uh, in them, then we dug uh, deep into their uh, actual game films. But I think it's still in a disadvantage of seeing a kid interact with their teammates and their coaches. Um, and all of the character uh, um, stuff that comes around with the evaluations that we've missed. Do you find that you have more time to um, keep up with all of these kids and what's going on with them because you don't have a lot of the in-person stuff and your own team stuff maybe as much, or because you're doing so much video conferencing and video meetings and whatever, is it, is it kind of the same in that respect? You know, I think, uh, I think you see a lot more kids in regards to evaluating them uh, uh, based on their film. However, uh, for example, today we got on a Zoom call at 7 in the morning, and I got off of one at 6 o'clock, uh, and that was nonstop. So um, when we talk about uh, the work day, it has been hectic going from Zoom call to Zoom call um, and not much uh, walking around. So uh, hopefully I don't gain, in, uh, gain all this weight sitting in the chair. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think we're all trying to avoid that, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. And and um and with kids unable to come visit, um, especially ones who aren't vocal and haven't been around much, how much does that change like the calculus about the way that you actually approach recruiting and um, you know, who you may push to try to, you know, get to commit to you guys or any of these other variables? I think our biggest asset at Arizona State is the in-person contact with all of our coaches because I think uh, from the personality of Coach Edwards uh, to Coach Antonio Pierce and what that trickles down all the way through our staff, I think that has been a disadvantage for us because I think we do our best um, selling uh, in person. And so um, going on a phone call, uh, trying to convince kids to maybe take a look at your school or commit without Seeing the school is very hard. You know, we're on virtual tours now and trying to give them a, a snippet of what Arizona State is all about. But I still don't think the commitment level uh, is there because they haven't been in personal contact with us. And I think that's where our biggest asset is. Sure. Now, one of the good things is that because you guys do start spring ball kind of on the early side, you got about half your, your schedule in and you were able to get a, a sense of just kind of how guys are absorbing the new offense and everything. you got to look at your two new running backs, both high, really highly regarded in Trayanum and in Gata. Um, what did you think about just how that whole process went? I think it was great for us, especially with Coach Hill and, and his sophistication of the offense and learning the procedures and, and the way he wants to run things. I think that was great for us in those first seven practices. I thought the two uh, freshman running backs coming in early um, was a huge advantage for them um, to at least see the speed of the game, understand what we're doing procedural-wise. But uh, I'm very happy with what uh, I saw in the first seven practices, and I'm excited about those two. Yeah. How much is that going to help, the fact that they get all of those reps that they can watch from uh, spring ball on their devices as far as just, making sure that they're really learning the scheme and your plays and, and seeing everything that you guys uh, did there? I think they're at a huge ad- advantage because um, they understand the, the concepts that we're trying to teach. Um, they understand the procedures of the cadences and the, the tempo of the game. Um, it has been huge for them because whenever we're sitting on Zoom meetings, they have an understanding of what we're asking for, for and their expectations. Um, if somebody was to come in, in July uh, and expect to learn the offense in six weeks and ready to play, they would be at a huge disadvantage. Yeah. And now just with, with both of those guys' recruitment, I didn't get a chance to talk to you on a podcast about this. I know our audience is going to really be fascinated. How did you manage to pull that off, Coach? Because <laughs> you got, you got the, you know, the highest-rated running back in Ohio, had offers from Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, uh, at a really high-profile school and a very productive guy, a physically ready guy, checks all these boxes. And then with Daniel, uh, I mean, that guy is is definitely one of the more dynamic players from California in his class, if not nationally. I I just walk me through how, how you knew to identify and target those guys early on the way that you did and what things were key along the way in, in, in making sure that you delivered them to ASU? 
you know, I think the recruiting department did a great job identifying uh, kids that we're looking for. I, I wanted a uh, bigger type back, and then I wanted a uh, back that uh, was very versatile out of the backfield. So I think our recruiting department uh, did a great job identifying them. And then once we identified them, um, we wanted to see what their interest level is. And, you know, again, we're up and stacked against the Ohio State of the world. Um, I thought our whole staff did a great job um, team recruiting uh, both guys. Um, and, and I think uh, not knowing um, coming from the high school and not knowing um, that I'm not supposed to maybe go after these type of guys, but um, <laughs> just being um, the competitor I am uh, and building a relationship. So uh, Diamante and I hit it off really well. Um, we talked more about uh, life skills, um, life after football, um, my family, his family goals, and those kinds of things I think intrigued him. Um, now his goal, again, is to play in the NFL and maybe graduate in three years and do all of those things. And that's where Coach Edwards and Coach Lewis and Coach Antonio Pierce kind of uh, took that part of the recruiting. But from a relationship standpoint um, and meeting their family and talking with uh, his mom and same with uh, Daniel, I think uh, um, there's nothing secret about building relationships and having their parents trust you. And so I took that uh, in account and, and went uh, full board for it. And it seems like they're very complementary kind of players, right? Like you, you, you get, you know, two different types of guys. Maybe you can even play them at the same time in certain packages. Can you just kind of go over their skill sets and just after now working with them for a while, what really jumps out uh, to you about them both? Absolutely. You know, when, when I was recruiting them, the first thing uh, in, in that checks the boxes for me is that they came from a program that was uh, championship caliber, and both of them did. Uh, and then when I hit the box in regards to in the, the football intelligence part, uh, both of them uh, fit the box. And then from a physicality, ability standpoint, they checked the boxes. And so I, I really got lucky, to tell you the truth, Chris, uh, um, with them coming into our room. But um, Chip and Diamante is a uh, powerful back, uh, you know, at about 225 pounds. I liked his physicality, and I saw that physicality from – um, when he played on the defensive side of the ball as a linebacker in safety. And so I knew he was athletic, he was physical, and then when you meet him, his personality just jumps out at you. And, and he was somebody that I think would help our room. Um, Daniel was more of a versatile type player, uh, a perimeter guy that had the ability to come out of the backfield, line up in the slot, uh, do all those kinds of things, and, and then run the ball between the tackles and it was tough enough. And so... From a complementary standpoint, I, fit, I thought they fit perfectly well. And I didn't know in regards to the chemistry how would they would fit, but they feed off each other in the uh, running back room. They do a great job uh, taking notes, trying to learn um, the football part of it, um, and they're great personality and great kids. Yeah. Um, it seemed like, I guess Daniel said that he had some muscle soreness or some issues at, really at the outset of spring ball, um, what did you think about just kind of where he's at physically? You know, I thought, you know, he uh, kind of took it easy on the first couple of days. I think the regimen of working out with the intensity uh, kind of got to him a little bit. Um, I don't think he was uh, fully hurt, but we, we didn't want to make sure that uh, he pulled something or anything else. So we kind of sure. um, got him in 
after about three uh, days, I knew from a workout standpoint um, what Yamati came from, from his program, and I knew he'd be ready for that. So um, based upon that, we kind of eased uh, Daniel in after the first three days. Um, and I didn't think he was at full go, but I know his potential because I've, I've seen him play. Um, the same thing with Diamante and seeing him play at a high level. Um, and their high schools play at a national-type level. And so I know from a competition standpoint what we were getting. Sure. And Daniel said that he gained more than 10 pounds since he, from the time he got on campus to when you guys uh, were practicing. Did you notice, like, uh, just kind of him starting to add size and, uh, you know, maybe develop an even more of a capability to his game that will result from that down the road? Absolutely. And we peek in every day uh, in the weight room and see how they're going. And just watching those two guys work, we knew from uh, Daniel's point of view he would gain uh, muscle real quick. Now, with Diamante, I've talked to uh, Coach Joe about it. We had to throw him, be the Hulk and blow up. And so we had to <laughs> kind of uh, uh, slow down his process. But um, both are very athletic. And, and Diamante, as, you, as you've seen, he's a grown man. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And yet he runs uh, with good pad level and he has good knee bend and it's kind of a, I mean, it's for his size, there's a a little more fluidity than you would probably expect. Absolutely. And I think from a flexibility standpoint, Coach Joe will do a good job in keeping him flexible. Um, So I think their their, uh, better days are ahead of those guys. But just from a mentality standpoint, um, there are kids that – no championships, and they're kids that uh, know what it takes to win, and that and that's huge, especially in the running back room. Right, and so obviously in that room you have two guys, a couple guys coming back. Um, they're 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 they have an opportunity, of course, with with Eno moving on, but also now they're challenged by these newcomers. What do you think about how they've responded to that? You know, um, they're going to have to take it seriously real quick, um, especially with the mentality of the two guys coming in, and so. Um, I think the two guys that are there uh, have a, uh, the ability to uh, play. Um, they're going to have to step it up and make sure and somebody's going to have to take uh, charge in that room because those young guys are, are coming uh, uh, full steam ahead. Um, and so they're going to have to pick up their game as well. Yeah. One thing I noticed with A.J. Carter is he, he, he obviously struggled in the bowl game, and he was very candid about that, though. He, he he, you know, to us, he said, you know, I, I, I didn't take advantage of the opportunity. I made mistakes. I put too much pressure on myself. I probably didn't work as hard as I needed to. Uh, it, it seems like at, at least he, him being candid about that and acknowledgement of it is, is, you know, what's required for you to start building your way toward, you know, being achieving the kind of things that you want to be able to accomplish, right? Absolutely. And, you know, and, you know, he had a, a rough start to the game, the first play of the game, yeah. and I think that got into his head a little bit. Um, you know, he understands the quality of, of uh, the type of kids that are coming in and that uh, Coach Edwards and, and myself are, are trying to recruit. And so, and I tell Diamante and Daniel, we're trying to recruit you, out-recruit you again. And so yeah. from a competition level, and if you go back to Coach uh, Edwards' philosophy of playing guys that are, uh, have earned the right to play no matter what age or grade level they're at. Um, you know, they're going to have, AJ is going to have to be ready to, to battle it every single day. And then that's on them. And mm-hmm. from an accountability standpoint, I love that philosophy because it then puts 
the pressure on the kids, and, and I like to see how they handle that pressure. Yeah. And so just with the way that you're running backs into the offense and the offense as a whole and, and what it looks to be, what's your sort of level of uh, excitement or, or how would you describe just kind of the way you feel about what's possible for you guys? Um, with Coach Hill's offense and, and the variety and the sophistication of it, with the, with the movement and his ability to uh, run the ball and, and possibly the ball being in the running back hand probably over 70% of the time, make, uh, being that they come out of the backfield and screens and all that kind of excites me and the kids. Um, and so uh, they know that they're going to be a big part of it. They also know that one guy can't play 80 plays, and, and that's a count that we want to try to get. And so I think excitement is that there's more – um, uh, chances or opportunities for these guys to get on the field and at a, at a young age themselves as well. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to talk about, uh, you know, in the draft, uh, I think I was very surprised that, you know, dropped to the seventh round. I know people said that it was a deep uh, and talented running back class, but um, just how productive that he was and how durable that he was uh, at the college level, were you surprised by it? And just kind of what were your takeaways uh, by kind of the fact that he didn't go as early as some people, including um, including I expected? Yeah, you know, I, I was very surprised. Um, you know, I sat and watched the, the draft all that second in. I thought he was going to be called early. Um, you know, I was very surprised because of his durability. Um, the, the most surprise was because of his football intelligence, um, mm-hmm. And his IQ is is is, is so good. Um, however, I'm not surprised that he will be successful because that's what uh, uh, makes you know tick is that competition. And so, from a standpoint where he's in the seventh round coming in to earn a spot, I think that's where he's at its best. But I am disappointed that he went down in the seventh round. But I think he'll be successful no matter what. Yeah, he's the type of guy that will carry that like a chip on his shoulder, you know. And what do you think about how he fits in to that style of offense, the, the Cliff Kingsbury offensive style? I think he fits in fantastic because um, what people don't know, he has incredible hands out of the backfield. Uh, he understands the route concepts. Um, it's a more wide-open offense instead of a, a straight downhill. And where he's best is nobody can touch him in that phone booth, and that means that within the tackles, he has his ability to make people miss. And I think with this wide-open offense, that gives him the ability. So I think he hit a jackpot in regards to the philosophy of the offense where he's, where he's at with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. How much of an asset was his success in, in, in your ability to recruit the next class of guys uh, and, and also the possibility for, for guys to come in and compete to immediately replace you now? I think that, that was huge. Uh, they, they knew, you know, um, by his name. And so from a recruiting standpoint, uh, they watched how he uh, played the game. Uh, secondly, they knew that he was going to leave and going into the draft. So that gave him an opportunity, uh, them the opportunity to, to see themselves playing at a, uh, playing early. Um, nowadays, a lot of guys and, and everything's available on, on the Internet. Uh, they, they exactly know how many people are in your room, um, who's in your room. And so when they pick places to play, 
and they want to play early, of course, um, they're very uh, smart about it. And, and I think that helped meet the, both Diamante and Daniel. Mm-hmm. Now, Coach, I know you're going to be political with your answer on this one, uh, but Chandler finally got the opportunity to play against Saguaro, right? And <laughs> you're going to put and, me on the spot now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we know what happened, right? There was a lot of speculation about what might happen in such a matchup. Uh, I, I think you were there on the sidelines. Um, I was. And we yeah. coach Edward. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so just I was, uh, however, Chris, I have I was wearing maroon and gold. Oh, that's what I, that's what I figured. <laughs> uh, and I understand that you're trying to recruit everybody at ASU, but what did you think about just the opportunity to have that game played in Sun Devil Stadium and just kind of the significance of it, uh, especially after everything that you helped do to build Chandler's program? You know, I thought it was incredible because. Um, I think those are the two best programs right now uh, in Arizona that attract uh, a lot of the Division One kids. I think Coach Garrison and Coach Mons and their staff do an incredible job. And so to see those top schools go at it, it was a treat for me. Um, I think sometimes, uh, you know, people say that the, that the 4A can't compete with the 6A. I think the only disadvantage uh, with uh, Jason Mons and Saguaro was that their schedule uh, limits them as where uh, Chandler plays a, a little bit tougher schedule through the year. Um, mm-hmm. I thought they were well-matched. Um, uh, you know, it was a chess game. Uh, I think Suaro, um, at the beginning, um, their eyes were wide open because it could have been a runaway. Um, but I think both of those staffs and those um, football players, and you can see how many Division One kids come out of there, um, that was a treat for Arizona um, that – can say that 4A can compete with 6A, um, and I wanted to see that game. I wish I was coaching that game, but uh, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to see that game, and, and um, it was a treat for me. Listen, I'm glad that you admitted that you would have liked to have coached that game, because absolutely, <laughs> right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, just, um, you know, you, you've been in the state a long time and watching the evolution of the talent. There's, uh, there's so many more Division One caliber players and the high schools have, you know, a lot of them have become so really well coached, uh, which is really exciting to see in the state. Uh, and you have the experience of being on both sides of this now, which is very rare, uh, having coached at the highest level in Chandler and, and, and you know, being a part of ASU staff. The, the, it's a very widely and hotly discussed topic about in-state recruiting at ASU, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, so can you just give me your 30,000-foot view of, of, of this situation, given that you have probably one of the best perspectives of anybody, given that you're on both sides of it? You know, um, when, when, I, when I took this job and, and uh, had uh, most of Arizona to recruit, um, the thing that I found out, and, and I did research in, in other states, is a lot of kids that, um, because Arizona is such a transient uh, state, a lot of kids that play here want to go outside and, and uh, broaden their horizons and play um, outside uh, at other states besides Arizona. Um, same thing as you saw with our recruitment with California. The top kids wanted to leave California. And so we see that all around the country. Um, we want, and Coach Edwards and Coach uh, Antonio Pierce and Coach Luganville, 
we want to keep all of the top uh, players, but we understand uh, there's a, a lot of other schools that are recruiting them hard, and now Arizona's become a huge hotbed. And so we're competing not only with the Pac-12, but now with the SEC and the Big Ten schools uh, with the talent. And, and uh, um, we're going to try our best to keep the best kids. Um, and some not going to agree because uh, they don't think we recruit them the hardest, but we, we try to recruit them the hardest. But we want to make sure uh, in our initial scholarships that we give away that we are keeping the best kids in Arizona, not just because um, they're an Arizona kid. We want to win the Rose Bowls, so we gotta, we got to take the best kids. Sure. Sure. Do you think that the going to a bowl game two years in a row under Coach Edwards and having first-round NFL picks in back-to-back years and um, and just the cultural element of where you guys are at, uh, is that resonating in your conversations with people around the state? I think it is. Uh, but to tell you the truth, I might, I might be uh, speaking out of line here. Our goal is, Chris, our goal is to win that the Rose Bowl, and if I think if I think we win the Rose Bowl uh, one year and then two years in a row and be consistent at the top level of the Pac-12, then we'll be able to keep our kids, more of our kids here because it'll be more of an attraction, and that's where we want to get to, and, and we're in the right direction. But until then, um, there's always going to be um, uh, other schools that are, uh, are interested to them just because they've been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I wanted to ask you just about what it's really like being part of the staff now that you've, you know, you have, you know, a lot more time kind of under your belt there with it. Um, it there's been some changeover, but there's a, a great diversity with this staff in terms of uh, you have in Herm Edwards and, and uh, other coaches kind of at the, you know, they've had tremendous amount of experience, 30, 40 years. And then you have at the other end of the spectrum, guys like Chris Hawkins and, and Prentice Gill who are really younger and just kind of burgeoning careers and also uh, a, a heavy uh, minority uh, uh, staff. And it just seems like it's a very, but yet everybody like really uh, has a lot of respect and the, the atmosphere seems just really positive. And so what's it like kind of being a part of that? Chris, I love going to work every day, um, and we get into we get it early. Try to beat Coach Edwards, did, but um, his pers- <laughs> that's hard. His personality, that's very hard. Um, his personality uh, resonates throughout the the whole building, and then you have Coach Lewis. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm a kid in a candy store, sitting back and yeah. watching watching these professionals go to work, and then you get the energy of, of Coach Antonio Pierce, uh, and then the younger guys, and then it fits in with a Hall of Fame guy with uh, Coach Mawai and, and a guy that has been around with Coach Christensen and, and Coach Hill coming in. Um, it is a very diverse uh, group. It is a, a group of good men. And what people don't understand, the only reason why I left Chandler, because I think uh, that was the place that I was going to retire at, is because of uh, Coach Edwards and, and what he meant to me when I coached for him uh, at the Under Armour uh, games and what kind of man he was. Um, and now I can see uh, why, because he surrounds himself with good men. And so um, I'm excited, Chris, every single day to go to work um, and learn. You know, I, I, I'm I getting up there in age as well, but every single day I learn something new, and, and that keeps me going. Well, Coach, you're a really humble guy. You basically uh, blamed luck and your ignorance for how you ended up with maybe the two 
the best two-man running back class <laughs> in the West. Uh, but I think there was probably a little bit more to it. And <laughs> I just want to tell you, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. It's always a pleasure, and uh, I'm looking forward to being able to get out there as soon as we can and watch you guys on the field again. Absolutely, Chris, and, and thank you for everything you've done. And you know what I'm talking about, but uh, everything that you've done for me and, and uh, uh, for Sun Devils, and uh, I appreciate working with you. Thank you so much, Coach. Okay. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Iguano, and you can also read the Q&A on Sun Devils Source as well as other reporting we'll have on the team's running backs this offseason. Be on the lookout in your feeds for the rest of our position coach interviews in the weeks to come. Thank you for tuning in. Akuna Matata.